The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Y'all see this? Y'all see this? I'm being dramatic. They're making fun of me, y'all. Welcome to Cherry's World Podcast. I am Cherry Johnson, but today we got a special guest in the house. This one happens to be my homeboy, and we go back really far. You can call him Professor X from TNE. I'm going to call him Brandon because that's what his mama called him. The only podcast coming through your beat stereo is Cherry's World, so let's go around like a merry-go. Plug your phone in, make sure it got a full battery. Download it Wednesday, listen to it Saturday. She cover all topics, whatever you after. She got ball players, authors, doctors, actors, rappers, singers, entrepreneurs, divas, leaders, androids or Apple, turn up your speakers. Trying to shoot my shot like the vaccine, whether it's Cherry or Maxine, whether the podcast or acting, she that queen. PYT, you know what that means. Saw you on TV and touch the screen, touch on you. I plead Lucy's got a crush on you. It'll mean the world to get a blush from you. Teaspoon to me, leave you sleep like Robert Tussin do. What's up, B? You got it, man. What's the deal? How you doing? Oh, man. Sometimes me always you. So just so you know, Courtney, he talked like that. Okay. So good luck understanding him. I've gotten used to it, you know, and I've learned to listen to E40 because of him. Yeah. Um, so look, I got to put these on because I can't see good no more. I, I, I can't front with B because he know I can't see. So he going to tell me to stop squinting. So I might as well just put them on before we start. Uh, Brandon and I go back a long, long way. Yeah, for the people out there that don't know our relationship, I don't think there's a lot of people that don't know our relationship. But people that don't know our relationship, can you tell them what the T N E stands for? Take no excuses. And that's a motto that you live by. And you do. Where did you come? It's part. It's my life. You know, I I was. I've been. I've been disabled for over 20 years and I live my life based upon that model. Like you can, you can cut your lights out or you keep going. And when you're in the wheelchair, no one cares if you're in a wheelchair or not. They don't give you no excuses because you're sitting in a chair, you just are just sitting still. They're going to push you to keep going. And when people treat me like that, carry that mantra and make it my own. So I, if I don't, if I can't give you no excuses, I ain't gonna take none. Mm. 
And, and let me tell you, he makes you stay accountable. He doesn't let me give him no excuses. In fact, I'm on social media as heavily as I am because of this man. Yeah. Courtney, he's the one that makes me check my DMs. He's the one that made me start putting up videos. If it wasn't for him, I would have never done it. And he would not take the excuse of, I don't know how. You know what he told me? Figure it out. Well, I knew I knew her greatness. And I knew if she connected with the social media world with her greatness, she was just going to expand it to be something greater past whatever she's done in her previous years. So since you brought up your injury and your disability, can you tell us more about how you got in that wheelchair? I was in, um, I was in high school, my 10th grade year, block system to where we get out of school around about 1.30. I was doing bad in um, Spanish class. So my mother had set up a tutoring class um, at her job at an elementary school she worked at, which was at one of, which was off of one of my um, bus stops or bus routes going home. But the school bus that leaves to go to where her, uh, her school is was at three. So I was just waiting around, trying to bypass time until it was time for me to get on the three o'clock bus. So I had a couple of friends of mine going down to the football field and it wasn't football season. It was like track season at the time. So they had all the little, uh, the, the gymnastic mats and the little pogo stick thing that you jump over. I can't, I don't know by name, but that's what it was. And um, instead of, you know, the gymnastic being used for trampoline jumping, we use it for wrestling. Like we watch WWF or WWE, how they dog pile on top of each other. So one thing led to a, one thing led to another. The high school football team had came out to see what we're doing and joined in on the fun. But you know, these guys are 300, 250, 300 some pounds and we scrounging, we small. So I ended up at the bottom of a dog pile up after one of the football players threw me onto the pilot, one of the players that um, that was there, well, one of the guys that was there, you guys may be familiar with uh, future Hall of Fame, Steve Smith. I went to school with Steve Smith. Yeah. And he was actually one of the guys in the pileup while we were- receiver? Sorry, say one more again, bro. Wide receiver? Yeah, yeah. So um, the guy who actually threw me on, him in the pileup, he got out, jumped on top of everybody. And because my I was scooting out and I couldn't no longer move because of all the pressure on my abdomen, I was losing focus and losing conscious. So the last thing I recall was him jumping on top of everybody and my neck kind of like hanging off the edge of the mat and he just bent over this, his whole pressure of his whole body just sprung my neck over. So when I woke up, I don't know how long I was down for. It could have been about 15, 20 minutes, maybe. But when I woke back up, I couldn't feel anything. And uh, the guy, it was one of the big dudes, one of the football players, he was there. He lifted me up, and I just buckled and fell down to the ground. And he looking at me, looking at me like, dang, man, will you already get up, man? I'm like, I can't feel or move a thing. And the first, the first sign of not moving, I wanted to panic and cry. 
and I and I sit there for about 20, 30 minutes thinking it would just you know how you ever sun your hands and your hands get numb. Yeah. And you think, well, you know, once you get off your hands, little it's gonna come back. Yeah. I was thinking that, but it didn't. So I was starting to cry. But then I started thinking about my grandmother, who was a um a diabetic, and she never throughout her tenor of going through that those 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 uh procedures of having to get a shunner arm or, or being hospitalized she never cried and never showed no mercy and i thought about her and i just immediately stopped crying and, and something just came up something just lifted over my shoulders and i didn't have no fear and i went to the hospital being a minor or being a child not knowing what to expect because you know i never went to a hospital with that, with anything of that severity, and the the warm welcoming of having two parents showing up gave me the comfortability to face, along with my spirit, what was getting ready to happen. And then within three days of being um, admitted into the hospital, the the doctor came in and said we have some bad news, and he says um, you have separated your vertebrae in your neck from your C5, your C6, and your C7, and your C8. If you're not familiar with those um, with those terms, if you can bend your head over and touch the back of your neck, you'll feel a bone there. That's your C8. I damaged that, was, was uh, allowed me to lose the ability in my hands, my legs, and et cetera. And it, and it caused me to be a quadriplegic to where I lost um, feeling from pretty much my chest on down, but my situation is incomplete. So there's certain areas in my lower region that I can feel and certain other parts that I can't. So that's how my injury happened. And that's how I ended up finding out, you know, what it was when that time came. When you have a serious injury like that, I have another friend who you know about, he's a paraplegic. Um, when stuff like that happens, you have to go through some sort of depression. Right, I mean that's that's human. How did you get yourself out of that? I had. Don't tell me you ain't human, Brandon. I'm not. I, I was. <laughs> I was gonna tell you where my depression set in. It. Okay. I wasn't so much depressed about my injury. What made it difficult was dating. Hmm. When it came to the opposite sex, because when you're 15 and 16 years of age, the 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 female doesn't understand what are you going through or you don't know if she's willing to go the distance with you. So it's, and then when you, if you're a, 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 um, a able-bodied male, when you're a adolescent, you think about sex or you think about going to the movies with your friends or that was hindered, that was cut short. So when women, you know, women are hanging at the malls, especially in my time when I'm coming up, that's where we gonna meet the girls at. You know, Saturdays, the girls are at the mall or they're, they're this location, that location, and you no longer can go to those places. So you get the, you, the depression sets in because you want to be appealing for the opposite sex because you're human. You understand what I'm saying? So I wanted to give up at one point in time in my life based on that what helped me get over was i had a good mother i had a good father i had 
some solid individual cousins that was there to uh to amend me for whatever I needed them to do for me. Like, you know, and then and then they helped me build my confidence back up along with my uncle too, my daddy's brother, my daddy's baby brother. My uncle was very instrumental in my life. But they they gave me the tools to carry on. Then you know a lot of my cousins would introduce me to women and then women would be understanding because then I can instead of cold approaching a woman at a at a venue she's there on the other end because that's what kids do at a certain age they talk on the phone they three-way each other so now they're a little bit more understanding more welcoming to who I am and once that was able to take place now now I'm on a, a comfortable level of learning how to connect with the opposite sex so it was my family which uncle I gotta ask the uncle you know my big uncle Ronnie Hey, Uncle Ronnie, how you doing? Uncle yeah. Ronnie is my boo. I love me some Uncle Ronnie. <laughs> yeah, my, my, uncle is, my uncle is like my hero. Also, He don't know that, though, but he was like my childhood hero. He was my Superman to me, along with my father. But my uncle was young, is like eight, nine years younger than my father, so he was more hipper than my father. He would play the, 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 the Madden games with us and stuff like that, or play the basketball games, or be at our football games, or et cetera. Like he was in tune with us as as youngsters, so we grew a a, a, a nice a, a alliance with him. You know what I'm saying? His spirit is electrifying. Yeah, you're not gonna be around Uncle Ronnie and not smile. So I totally see that. Real All talk. right. Well, enough about your injury, because mm -hmm. uh, you know how I don't, don't want to bring the spirits down talking about can that. I, can, I, can I? No. Can I can I say something about that? My um, that's like B. So B, B and I are friends, like friends, friends, right? I've watched him grow from a boy to a man, and his social life has always been way more live than mine has. Like I call looking for B. One day he's like, "Yeah, I'm in Miami." The next day he's in Georgia. The next day he's back in Oakland with E. Fowdy. So let's talk about that. You almost signed to E40. Yeah, well, I had a group I was pushing or producing at the time in Los Angeles by the name of 110. And I named them after the artery highway that takes us to where we come from um, in South Central. It's like, if you, you're from Illinois, right? Chicago? So you're familiar with 90, 94, 290 and all that, right? So the, our artery is the 110. And I named it after that. And that freeway divides between um, the east side and the west side where we come from. Okay. You guys have North Chicago, South Chicago, and West Side, right? Mm -hmm. So we only have pretty much West and LA. I mean, West Side, uh, East Side. So I had a, I had a, I had a guy from the East Side, of LA, one from the West Side, and um, I ended up meeting E40's artist named Turf Talk through one of my family members that was dating him at the time. And I had just bought E40 album because, you know, that's one of my favorite peoples. Before I even met him, he was one of my favorite artists. Mm -hmm. And I had read the, you know how when we young, we like to read the booklet. So I saw his name in um, inside the credits. And she like, I'm on the phone talking to the dude named Turf Top. I'm like, because she live in the Bay. So I'm yeah. like, Turf Top? Is that the same dude on E40? Yeah, that's him. I'm like, okay, what's... Let him know I want to do some music for him because I'm a I'm an up and coming producer at this time. So 
we end up building a good a good relationship, a good friendship. I took my own budget money and directed one of his videos when we didn't even have an outlet to put videos because YouTube didn't exist at the time. But I just wanted to do something for him to show him uh, my leverage of what I can do and what I can bring to the table because if you work with me, we can build. So with my loyalty to him, created a, a, a friendship with E40. So I ushered the opportunity to bring my talent and go through Turf Talk, which he created a label called Hood Boy. And Hood Boy was gonna be distributed through Sick With It. But Turf, Turf had a different, um, a different way of he wanted to do things. So it just didn't happen. But the situation was right there for us to do it. But you and Turf have a relationship and you guys have actually done a lot of music together. Turf ended up, um, I ended up helping his department side of help developing um, things that he needed done from his hood, his own imprint, Hood Boy. So me and Turf just went on to do, I went on to help Turf do his own individual solo thing. And then I always, I always had my imprint TNE, so I never came to anybody's label with my handout. I always said, if I'll pay to be a part of y'all situation and, you know, whatever, and pay for the features, I don't want nothing for free. I don't want nothing given to me. I was, I'm not saying I'm different than a lot of other talent, but I didn't come with my hand asking for stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I came bearing gifts like, here, man, take that, you take that. But this is what I want from this. And I'm young, so I don't know the game, but I know the streets. And I know how the streets operate when it comes to distributing certain things, street pharmacy types things. So I'm like, it's no different in the business game. If you know how to, to um, wrap your mind around that. So that's pretty much how me and Turf relationship grew because I just stayed locked in with him and he took me on tour which E40 was part of that tour. And if I'm if you're familiar with uh any West Coast artists, um Keek the Sneak was on the tour with us, as well as a few other cup and um maybe maybe you heard of Be Legit from back in the old school days. He was there a few on a few dates. So it gave me um it gave me to it gave me it let me open up the launch pad of what I needed to do for the talent that I had with me. It gave me my legs, my wings, so to speak. You know, I learned a lot just by being around and I documented it. Um, a lot of the footage, no one no one would help me. I had not even my own crew sometimes. I had to hold a phone or hold a hold a camera phone and I had to road manage and I had to set up rooms. You know what I'm saying? I'm paying for gas, paying for their food, sometimes taking them to go buy, go get clothes so they can stand next to the artist and still look good. Like I took the initiative on my on, on my end, just so I can show them, I know a little something, but I'm asking for help. You know what I mean? And then you know, I guess with that, that's that the detailings of what went good and went bad could be another segue. But yeah, yeah, that's, I went through the same thing, man, in Chicago. <laughs> hey, you said something about two ninety. How you know about two ninety? You been in Chicago a lot. I've been to Chicago one time, but as a kid, I was an avid map reader. Word. And I always wanted to go to places I've never been because, you know, if you're from a city, 
you rarely ever travel to other places when you're young. You may travel to your your local surrounding places like Indiana because it's 15, 20 minutes away, Gary or something like that, or Iowa, three hours away, or, you know, Wisconsin up top. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. us as Californians, we'll end up going to Nevada or Arizona. And at, and at some point, that gets bland. Like, it's, a, it's a no hold in the world. So I would just look at the routes all the time. Like, if I ever get an opportunity to go to Chicago, this is where I'm. This is how I'm going to take the route to go get it. But I end up getting – I end up I end up meeting the girl that I, I went to Las Vegas. I was in Las Vegas, and she was there, and she lived in Chicago. And then I have a cousin that has a daughter that was part of one of them um, basketball tournament teams that were playing uh, downtown Chicago. Uh, I don't know. I can't. What's the? I can't think of the name of that street. But um, is it Chermak or something like that? Cermak. Cermak. Oh, okay. So it was. It, it's like a. It's a hotel with the indoor something. Like they turned it into a gym. Hmm. So, um, we went there. I ended up meeting the girl, but I knew my routes. Yeah. We stayed in Des Plains. Des Plains, yeah. Yeah, we stayed out there and then we would travel to uh Chicago daily. But that was my first time going to Chicago. And I, you know, I went down Michigan Avenue. I wanted to go, I didn't get a chance to go to the hood, hood like I want to, but I wanted to go down Ashland and Hostet and all that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a street nigga, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So I want to see Cabrini and all that, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Courtney, let me tell you how cold he is. So I had Brandon before I had GPS, right? Because GPS wasn't a thing. You could call Brandon and be like, I'm on this street and this street in this state, because I could be in a different state. And I'd be like, I need help. That's cool. He would literally guide me to that's where cold. I needed to go. That's cool. That was my pa- that was my passion before music. So that's cool. <laughs> and it's it, like, you know, I, you know, knowing your routes is pretty much obsolete because. You can tell so you can get in a car today with somebody right now and know the way to get there. And they'll still want to ask for the address because they want to know how to route it themselves. Mm-hmm. And talking about teaching, because you're a natural born educator. Can you tell us what legend you taught how to use IG Live? And it ain't me. So I'm not I'm not calling myself a legend. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he's a legend to anybody, but I don't know if, if you're familiar with the Bay Area, there's a rapper by the name of JT the bigger figure. Yeah, I heard JT, yeah. JT, the bigger figure, is legendary for being like, man, for teaching Master P how to do the things he he knows. So I was, one day, me and my cousin Gourmet out the Bay, a.k.a. Twan Gotti, we, um, (laughs) he happened to be in, uh, we happened to be in Atlanta. He had a range of meeting to meet with JT. So JT at one point had a Sprinter van. He was going from one location to another. So we rode the Sprinter van with him. And I pulled out my phone, I asked him, I said, can I record this? And he was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I'm recording and he's trying to correct me how to turn the phone sideways to get the wide angle. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm woke, I'm hip, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I'm telling him I'm recording on Facebook Live and Facebook Live doesn't allow you to turn your phone sideways. Right. So after a while, you see, it, it kind of seeped in. He was like, wait, I can record live? For, and people can watch me? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, oh fake love to talk. And then, <laughs> and then it just sparked. And then from that point on, he just went crazy on YouTube Live, IG Live, Facebook Live. You just couldn't stop him because he was going to stop him prior to that. He just needed 
you know, a, a, a booster to, to help him levitate to where he needs to go. How smart, oh, how smart was that guy, man? You know, it's crazy. He was very intelligent, but when I met him, you you didn't see it off the rip, but you can tell he was very insightful, wanting to always learn information. Like he was all like the things that he was learning, he was trying to project it amongst people around him. And people, and when he was when he was younger. Like in his when he was first starting out, because he wasn't popping when he first started out. I met him early in his career. I met him, he was dropping a bucket and he was known as Nipsey Hustle. Mm. I mean, if people don't know what a bucket is, that's an unaffordable vehicle, you know, like a Mercedes Benz or something. Like he was driving like a Broham or something. But um but when I first uh was was around to uh, to get a glimpse of who he was. He always was trying to be a beacon of knowledge. He was always just trying to just learn, learn, and learn, and learn. And if you ever heard of Big U, Big U would be, I would see him and Big U talking, and Big U would be schooling him, and he would be like, I remember I was trying to ask him something. He was like, man, give, give me one second, give me one second, give me one second. Big U was giving him game. And he was just on, like, he was like on his knees as Big U was talking to him, looking up at Big U, learning. And I'm like, okay, I see what he on. But mm -hmm. what he became, I didn't see that coming. But I'm not shocked either mm. because I always knew, not always knew, but from the time of meeting him, like he was, he was on, he was on to something different other than most of us that come from where we come from. But it's different when you know who you are. Yeah. Like he knew he was in reaching. He, his father had took him to Africa. He knew his grandmother, his great grandmother in the village where he comes from. It's different when it's like, when our village comes from our, our street or the closest we got to Africa was knowing that our great grandmamas was from Mississippi or Louisiana. Mm -hmm. So it's a different type of um, learning when you actually learn, learn who yourself is. And he was something special around because he knew where he wanted to go. The knowledge that he, he see a lot of people, a lot, of, a lot of people look at him as the gang, gangbanger. I saw him as a man who didn't want to do none of that, but just by being in a, in a, in a yeah. growing up in an environment, it's kind of difficult to bypass yeah, the yeah. gang life because your peers are around you. And I don't, I don't, I don't mean to keep up too much time with this, but I just wanted to just shed some light on that. But, no. Um, so I want to talk about your own album because you got your own album coming out, right? Yeah. When when are we gonna be expecting it? What's I mean? I don't already got some sneak peeks, but I don't know if everybody else got the sneak peeks that I got. Um, we're looking we're looking forward to like maybe like July of 2023, and we're trying to put together a situation where we're connected with the um handicap pride because they have a pride month for handicapped people in July. Really? How come I don't know about that? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I thought I was, like, invited to all the prize. Ain't nobody ever invited me to handicap prize. I mean, but, you know, this is this is free game. So if you get some game, you go Google what I'm speaking, and then you can see what I'm saying for yourself. Wow. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, my my um, project's coming out in July. I'm dropping singles in between time and some videos uh, throughout next year. And um, you know, the album was the album kind of like was inspired from you know looking at the old compilations from back in the days when you had various artists on one one on one production or one project. And I don't really have a lot of people like that, so I just used my team of, of artists. And I welcome in a new artist by the name of EBS Tiny Deuce from my community. And um, I wanted to help and develop him to see him do something greater than where he come from. So, you know, and then, but my inspiration came from people like, um, this is probably going to be off, off base a little bit, but uh, Sir Mix-A-Lot. <laughs> like, why Sir Mix-A-Lot? Because if you ever listen to any of old Sir Mix-A-Lot uh, production, it really is just him and this old drum machine called the SP-1200 and whatever his mind put sounds into that, that drum machine is what he came up with. He didn't have a lot of help. He didn't have this person, that person. He comes from the state of Washington. How many artists come out of Washington at that time? We got Macklemore and stuff like that, Nirvana, but prior to him, prior to him we never heard nobody. But and I end up um, downloading this app that was 20 bucks on my cell phone called Beatmaker 2. And I imported the gang of sounds and I pretty much was like, man, I'm just gonna rely. I could I could have used my laptops and other little little uh, devices. I said, let me just be humble and let's see what it would be like if I just uh, make production off of a unit that only have limited sounds. And it ended up being some good music and a lot of people was like, wow, I can't believe you did that. I'm like, you like that? All right, we got some, let's keep going. <laughs> He got something for sure. Now you're one out of three people that are signed to Empire Distribution. No, no, well, not anymore. Empire, when I first um linked with Empire, Empire was um uh, was it just started, it just created. I was one of three, meaning Too Short was there, because Too Short just came off his deal with Jive. He had did the Blow the Whistle album. Everybody know the Blow the Whistle. That album was from that, and then he he was out of his deal. So the owner of um, Empire, which his name is Gazi, had uh, proposed a deal from like, hey man, if you trust me, I can uh, with your with your new release or just give me some music, I can show you what I can do. So we didn't have Apple Music or Spotify at the time; we just had iTunes. So he um, released. I can't think, I think it's called 1900, 1999 something, boop, if that makes sense. But um, he released it in the album, I think so, 10,000 units at $10 a pop independently, which made Too Short $100,000. And when Too Short saw that, you know, Too Short's a money guy. 
-hmm. you know, he doesn't care about no no gold or platinum plaque like that. Not saying he don't care about it now, but whatever. But right. he care about more about the money than the plaque. So a hundred thousand dollars, and he and to a show like I got albums in a vault just sitting there. So they ended up building a prosperous relationship from there. And then I had got uh, a ear of what Gazi was doing because I had ended up meeting this guy at phase one who had a distribution deal through Fontana Distribution, who was, uh, that was like the, the, the independent company to Universal Records. And you know, I'm chasing a, a dream, trying to be signed to a major. So I'm thinking this is a stepping stone. I'm hearing more on the West Coast about these independent, these labels that's connected to Fontana Distribution. So I end up, you know, having to having to pay ten thousand dollars to sign to the deal, and then um, once I'm over there, I'm trying to put a record in stores. They tell me that if you don't have a buzz, a Violent Brown, if you, you this is a name to Google, Violent Brown won't put your records in stores. It broke my heart. So the 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 backup source was this company called Ingrooves, and Ingrooves was the first digital distributor to upload music from Apple Mute to Apple iTunes or whatever other platforms they had at the time. It was the first digital distribution. Mm -hmm. Just so happened, uh, maybe less than a year of me being over there with Fontana Distribution, um, Universal Records, the, the, the parent company, had did a deal with Ingroups. And Ghazi was working at the urban department at Ingroups. But the guy who I signed to deal with, for some reason, he didn't really like Ghazi. I I never I never seen Ghazi, didn't know nothing about the dude, but everybody in their mama would be talking about this Ghazi Ghazi dude. So I'm in the Bay Area, once again, with Gourmet, aka Twan Gotti, and I'm telling him about Ghazi, and he's like, I know a Ghazi. And Ghazi was a, was a guy from the Bay, he's a Palestinian. He was a producer and a recording engineer, maybe an artist in the, maybe in the early 90s. You feel me? So from that point, um, I got a win that they knew who he was. Uh, one of one of uh, Gourmet's tw uh, two um, mentors was a guy named uh, the guy uh, named Mike Brown. He's no longer with us, but um, R.P. Mike Brown. And Mike Brown ended up giving me the number because Mike Brown took a love and a liking to me. So Mike Brown. So I called Gazi, made an appointment. And the rest was history. He gave me an hour and 30 minute speech of what Empire was gonna do in the future. I'm like, yeah, 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 man, I'm, I'm, you already got me. I'm ready to sign, cause I ain't got nothing else. And then I just put everybody on to Empire Distribution. And then he had signed an artist by the name of Sage the Gemini. He had a record called like a Red Nose and Gas, gas Pedal, something like that. And it took off and they record label side was launched from that point. Yeah. Now, Cherry's World doesn't really do gossip, but it's hard for me to bring up Empire without bringing up the artists who were um, distributed through Empire who have fallen in the recent years. Do well, you my take on it? Well, I want to be politically correct when we do the take on it. Um, do you feel like there's some sort of connection? Absolutely not. It's no different than Tupac and Biggie being signed to a major conglomerate and they die. These 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 artists promote death in their music. They have problems where they come from. 
If you look at all the artists who passed away that were signed to Empire, died in their hometown. That'll do it. What does the label have to do with someone beefing with you in your own hometown when you had beef prior to you signing the deal? I'm just asking. No, I know I'm, I'm just giving you light on what you're saying. Like I, I understand what you're saying, but my my personal opinion, like I think people should deaden the the, the idea of that Empire has something to do with the passing of the, the death. The thing about Empire is Gazi is giving most multiple artists an opportunity, a chance with their music to broadband to different places that other artists are not coming to sign these these talents in their towns to do nothing with or for. Like he's giving a lot of these artists a launch pad to do their thing. You know what I'm saying? And, but if they if they were signed to Columbia, Sony or, or Warner, Electra, Atlantic, will we say the same thing then? And they all connected to each other. I would ask if it was five artists signed with Columbia, and it seemed to be a try. I definitely asked, what's the trend here? Just a man giving people from the inner city an opportunity who has problems in their hometown. I no guess it's just like child stars, right? If, if, if you're from PA, Pittsburgh, yeah. right? So let's say you had an issue with someone when you before you left to come to California. And from six or seven years old, they still got a problem with you at 45 or 46 years old. And then someone slaps you out of nowhere. Well, are we going to blame uh, uh, UPN for the problem you had at Pittsburgh or something? No. Exactly. It's the same difference. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad you, you did that. I was looking for the video. My buddy, who's a big time conspiracy theorist on the internet, he made a video about, about this situation, trying to put all these deaths together and blaming, you know, right. that and everything. But um I'm glad glad to be able to talk to someone who's there, who was there, right. knows these people. That's a, that's the thing, and that's the thing that Cherry did for me. We all had our own opinions about, you know, um Hollywood. And I remember I even told Cherry some of them when I first met her and she was like, no, that that's not that's not what happens. <laughs> and I'm glad, you know, sometimes we need that, like, because as fans, because, like, we really be believing certain things. And I like, he just knew I was in the Illuminati. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't that. No, I didn't think she was that. But I mean, but but there's people probably that think like that. You know what I'm saying? And I'm glad that to have. What's your last name? Mine? Yeah. Blackman. Blackman? Yeah. So let's say somebody says all the black men's murder people yeah. they do they do all this malicious acts and then you come in like that's not true oh but, i forgot cherry's last name but, <laughs> but the point i'm making about it is someone saying that just because they heard of something right. meaning that this is what it is and then you be you give an opportunity or a light to say true not all black men are like this some of right. us are general. some of us handle business different right. you know what i mean so you just so by you being around, you give light in a different perspective to something that people can make go left. Right. That's real shit. Yeah. I gotta laugh every time he shots out uh, Gaudi because 
my daughter affectionately calls him Uncle Gotti, and Uncle Gotti has been very instrumental in her education thus far. Gotti's a good dude. Gotti is. My boy Gotti is a great dude, too. That's the first Gotti I met, my boy Gotti. Yeah. Real spiel. Okay. All Gotti's are good in my book. <laughs> I don't know all Gotti's. I'm not going to say that in my book. But my daughter definitely um, adores Let's say, say the ones that we know. <laughs> now you know what so i'm not gonna put my homegirl out there like that um but <laughs> she also has a connection with uh cypress hill <laughs> and uh you have a funny story right oh man, man so i don't know if people are familiar with uh west coast legend king t from the west coast and when i was just starting out to try to be a producer. He lived uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes from where my ex-girlfriend lived in uh, Lancaster. He, he lived in Palmdale, she lived in Lancaster. And I ended up got getting introduced to King T through a legendary DJ from Compton, California, named Mixed Master Spade, R.I.P. Spade, that was my guy. So one day I called King T, I'm like, cause I'm thinking I'm gonna meet Dr. Dre cause King T was signed to Dr. Dre. You know, if you ever listen to Crime 2001, listen to some LA niggas, King T got to kick the verse off on that thing. Okay. But, um, yeah. King, T, King T, I called him, he said, I, I gotta, I'm, I, I said, what you got going this week? He said, oh, I gotta go to Be Real House. He said, it's so regular, like, Be Real just, just some regular ass nigga from around the corner. And I'm like, you talking about Be Room Service here? He was like, yeah, I said, can I go? Can I ride? Can I, can I, can I go with you? He was like, he was like, come on, for sure. King T got a heart of gold, man. Like, real talk. If, any, if you ever hear about him, heart of gold. Um, he, he, so that morning, I had my ex-girlfriend get me dressed way earlier than, than he was ready to go. I was probably outside of that dude's house by 8.30. We didn't leave until about 10 o'clock. So I'm sitting out there with a backpack. Just on the just on the on the side of the concrete, just waiting for him to come outside. I called him, let him know I was there. Okay, so look, we mosey on down because be real lives in this. Uh, they, if you're not familiar with LA, we have a, a, a area called the San Fernando Valley. Be real lives in that in one of those locations in the San Fernando Valley, and we go to the house first. We go meet first. We go to a multi platinum producer named Fred Reck. He's a uh, one of the uh, Snoop Dogg's directors for that Martha Martha uh, Stewart show that they own. Oh, okay. You ever see a Palestinian dude laughing in the background? Indeed, that's Fred Reck. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we go to his house, talk to him for a minute, but he is the only person that knows how to get to B-Real House, so he's like our our guy. So we get there. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm I'm thinking B-Real living this big old mansion full of weed and all kind of shit, right? This dude lives in a Regular house, humble as hell, with a navigator in the front. Not that's not that that's a bad thing, but it didn't supersede what I thought it was. But and and then he has his and then he um has this recording studio in the garage, and it's like it, it, it had to be like July in July in the valley. Oh my god, it's like 110, 20 degrees outside, and let alone how hot it is indoors in a garage. So I'm looking around, looking at the studio equipment and whatnot, and I'm looking like, damn, dude, this dude got the same shit in there. Am I got the same shit in my garage? What the fuck is he doing that I ain't doing? You know? 
So I'm in the garage, and so I'm, I'm, you know, Tupac had a line in one of his songs. I was young, but I was fucking asking questions. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, basically, you ain't gonna get nowhere if you don't ask no fucking questions. But I guess that I overdid it when I was there with King T. I embarrassed King T and his friends mm-hmm. by talking so much. But I'm like, I ain't gonna never get a ten CB real again. My but I need to get all this shit out. So I'm 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 trying to understand the music business, trying to learn the game. Yeah. So I'm asking questions like, man, just give me this, give me that, give me, tell me that. I don't want no verse. I don't want nothing else but the understanding of the music business. So we there for like two or three hours because King T came here to come get a, a a verse for one of his mixtapes. We get in the car. They didn't even start the car. I'm in the car, all happy and shit. I may be real. I can't wait to tell my friends and shit. I may be real from Cypress Hill and shit. Man, and I'm like, I'm like, car didn't stop for like three minutes and shit. And I look around, everybody looking at me. So King T look at me, nigga, don't you ever do that shit no more. Homie, you don't do no shit like that. When you go to people's house and be talking and shit. I'm in, I'm like, I'm in the <laughs> I can't wait to get away from these niggas and shit because I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, you know, but you don't want to embarrass the person who bring you somewhere. Yeah. So it taught me a valuable lesson how to say <laughs> something and get out the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel me? Yeah. So that was my funny story about Be Real that I just never can never forget because they were so fucking pissed at me. And when I and when I talk to King T sometime and talk about it, he don't even act like he remember that shit. I'm like, man, that was pinnacle to me because nigga, I couldn't wait to get away from your ass and be and, and dust that embarrassment off. <laughs> I would have did the same shit though. <laughs> hey, let me ask you a question. Sorry, bro. Give give me your uh Mount Rushmore, Cherry U2, West Coast rappers. Man. What you see already? Snoop, uh Q, Short, 40 Water. That that is the West Coast. I mean, you have other key players that you you can put underneath them, but it would be what you see. But the reason why, well, hold on, I got to follow up. But Cherry, you give me your, give me your Mount Rushmore. Dre, do they have to still be living? Yeah. Well, no, no, whatever. I was gonna say oh, Dre, easy. Well, I, my bad. Yeah. I, I would say Tupac would be on that list. So that's why I was gonna Tupac. ask you because you said, "Well, go ahead, Cherry. I'll follow." Go ahead. I was gonna say Dre, easy, Pac, for sure. Got to give E Forty holes down the whole Bay Area. Um, Dre, Easy, Pop, and Forty. That's four. I get five, don't I? No, four. Who's on Mount Rushmore? Dang, I only get four. Okay, so yeah, that would be my four. All right. So, so DJ Quick said this week. He said that he should be on Dr. Dre's level. How y'all feel about that? I totally disagree. Totally disagree. Now, one thing I do agree with is DJ Quick quality of his production, like the quality sound. It's on the same lines of a of a Dr. Dre, yeah. but Dre's production is just too powerful, and he has he has hits from the time that he started to pretty much the time that we last time we heard Dr. Dre put out music, and he <laughs> just doesn't have a long lineage of music like that. That's why like, I'm like, why do you think he said that then? Because he because he he is a goat, and he knows how good he is, and Quick is really a musician. Like he really plays different different instruments or he knows how to assemble things. And not saying Dre is not good when it comes to that. Dre, is, Dre has been 
phenomenally great at orchestrating things, but quick is more like a, a jazz kind of instrumentalist. You know what I mean? And Dre to me is more like rock to me, like hip hop and rock mashes together. Like their sounds are too different. Like I don't like in the West Coast or LA, I always categorize uh, the three producers that we had coming up. We have DJ Battle Cat and you have DJ Quick and you have Dr. Dre. Mm -hmm. Dr. Dre always uh, reminded me of um, Parliament, mm -hmm. George Clinton. Mm -hmm. Everything Funkadelic was Dr. Dre. But then when you get with DJ Quick, he reminds me of like Prince Morris Day. And, and DJ, I'm sorry, and Battle Cat reminds me of Roger Troutman and Zap and Roger. Well, not Zap and Roger. Mm -hmm. So if you listen to the music, they use a lot of those different elements for those three different kind of kind of artists. But Dre just happens to mask all of them because um his sound is just amazing. I was just so amazed. Like, why would Quick say something like that? That he's on Dr. Dre's level. I'm like, that's that's that was, that's. I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to trend on social media. I'm like, that's. I don't, I don't think so. I just think that he he just feels he's just equally great because he is great. And they all he, came up together at the same time. I, maybe he feels like he hasn't gotten the same opportunities that Dre has gotten. I, I don't even think that it's. The I beg to differ. I beg to differ because. Yeah. Okay, let's say Ruthless Records came out on Priority. Priority is an independent. I don't know. If people, I don't know if people know that. Oh, so it wasn't Interscope, huh? No, no. no. So, um, remind you that when DJ, I'm sorry, when Dr. Dre left NWA, he had nothing. He was he had his name, but there was no money to put produce an album. So they had to go find some street people to get some independent money to start Future Shock, which ended up that become Death Row. You know what I'm saying? So with, with, with the opportunity of doing that, he created an album without even having a label. See, DJ Quick has skills and is, to me is one of the greats. He was signed to Profile. Yeah. If you listen, if you, if you go back to time, uh, DJ Quick's first album came out before the first Chronic. So how did you not have the same opportunities? And Easy e has a hand in helping DJ Quick. Really? Being, yeah. DJ oh. Quick, one of DJ Quick's first deals came through Ruthless. But Profile oh. wouldn't let him go so he could be signed to Easy. So instead of him not signing to Ruthless, they signed the Penthouse Players Click. And Quick was help, Quick was instrumental in helping producing a lot of that album. And he and if you ever look at any of those Penthouse Players videos, you'll see Quick in, in them songs. So Dre, so Cherry, you said Dre and all and, uh, and Quick and all them, they grew up together. I grew up with, but they all were together. Like they I never knew that. Yeah. Somewhat. Somewhat, yes. They all knew each other because in the early 80s, and well, you know, Quick made a tape called The Red Tape and, and every tape. So people were people knew who, who Dr. I'm sorry, who DJ Quick was, but Dre was already on at the time. Dre was Dre had, you know, not Dre, but Easy E had uh JJ Fad by the time that, that red tape had dropped. Gotcha. You feel what I'm saying? 
So Dre was already Dre was already strapped Compton before we even heard DJ Quick become anything major. But in the in the underground, you know, people were hearing about you heard about that blood dude that dropped that red tape and da da da. da. Cause you know we used to use the swap meets to go listen to to go get music, and I'm a kid, so you know, like I said, my uncle in the beginning, you know, he had he had a a, a purple candy apple purple uh, king cab Nissan. They more like um the Hispanics that garden trucks use those trucks now, but back then they were like the shit. They had exactly. Nice- hey, that's how they used to talk though. That's hey, you heard about that blood dude that dropped that. That's how they said. That's how they. That's how they talk back then. Well, you know, it's other terms that we use, but. Yeah. I'm just saying, but I'm on on the higher scale. Yes. Wow. So I'm just saying, like you know, the 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 street cats would get the tapes. Boys, matter of fact, Boys in the Hood was on a on a uh, a TDK tape back in the days in the swap meets. That's how the gangsters got. That's how the gangsters end up spreading the music and stuff because it complemented the sounds. Because we come from an era. If you 40 and up, we come from where we didn't have a lot of hip hop in the early 80s on the West Coast at least. We didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of hip hop until maybe 87, maybe 88. MC Cameron was one of the first rappers on the West Coast. You know what I'm saying? I want to say he was before Dre. So, you know, we, can you hear me over there? No, yeah, I'm over here making faces. I don't think so. Yeah, but, I don't think Cameron was before Dre. Because uh, he had the Dr. Dre definitely dropped well, nobody, nobody, Nobody knew about Dre like that when he was with um, Alonzo and um, forgot oh, the name of the movie. But nobody knew about who Dre was. Dre was the background. It was a it was all about Alonzo. But Alonzo didn't make rap music. Okay. No. So he was more of like a sequence dance type group type dude. So, I hate to cut this conversation, this history LA lesson short, but B, you gotta come back again. Hell yeah, because I need more because I'm from Chicago. So this shit is interesting to me, man. Was, you gotta come back again, but we're about to have another guest on. Like this hey, is man. All right. Thank you for having me. I, I, I would love to come back whenever you guys want me. Please. You know? up, Cherry? Heard across the world. Welcome to Cherry's world. Heard across the world. Welcome to Cherry's world. Representing for every girl. Welcome to Cherry's world. Representing for every girl. Welcome to Cherry's world. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.